Hi, and welcome to Coco Disaster. I'm Chorps Away. And I'm Zane Zero. And it's time to ring in the new year, or at least the new year of anime. Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, it's we're right after the holidays, we're going right into brand new anime. And while it doesn't seem like as many shows are coming out, there's still plenty of ones that we're interested in and certainly that we're going to want to talk about. Yeah. It's a uh, it is a stacked season despite its uh its like smaller um selection of shows. I think it's a good selection though. Oh no, for sure. It, and definitely like there's a good breadth of shows in this selection. Like it's not all just like one type. Yeah. Which I think is a is definitely going to be a benefit to it. But first, before we go into that, time to start with the news things that we uh we need to catch up on since the last time we recorded and the first one i wanted to bring up was one that dro- uh, was news that dropped today and that is uh in our continuing effort to cover every anthropomorphization project it's time to cover ave classic work concentration timer with classic young men uh so you you may remember a couple years ago when they announced Moevation. Do you remember that? No, I do not. Okay, so Moevation is a Japanese app where it's sort of like a dating sim, but instead of doing dating sim stuff like, you know, making selections and stuff, you pick a girl and she gives you a workout regimen and then asks you to do it. Oh, that! I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that's Moevation. Yeah. So this is sort of like that, but the idea is instead to, it seems, cater it to um, to women, and also it's a um, it's like it's like a uh, like a concentration app, where the idea is you give it a timer of how long uh, you want to not be distracted by your phone, and it'll play classic music based on whatever boy you pick. All these boys are anthropomorphized versions of classical music. Oh, I thought you were about to say classical music composers, and I was going to be like, oh, we no. already have that with classical Lloyd. No, it is not classical Lloyd. This is specifically the songs. Like, you know, this is the character based on Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 9, or this is the Claire de Lune boy. Oh, my God. And so what it is, is you, um, you set the timer, and for that amount of time, it'll play that particular song. So, like, you pick Claire de Lune, and you set it to, like, 30 minutes, you get 30 minutes of that classical piece. And the idea is, if you don't touch your smartphone within that period of time you give it, you unlock character episodes. So, that you, you basically do the dating sim thing, but the dating sim thing is explicitly not touching your phone or interacting with it. Uh, it this sounds like it could be like a free-to-play game or something. Yeah, it, it is. It's like a free-to-play, but you can't give money explicitly by design. Like... It maybe you like buy characters or stuff, but it's like it, you know specifically it's like no, just don't touch your phone. This is you know this is how you're going to uh, to learn to you know do your work or sort of like reduce dependence on your smartphone. That's so weird. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, and it's like it's nothing quite like we've seen before. Like it's not quite motivation where it's like here here you're gonna learn how to work out, you nerd. This one's specifically like you know here's. <laughs> Here's to help concentration when you really need to to be working. And the detriment is you don't get to, like, 
see these boys interact, which I, there's totally, uh, there's totally an audience for this. Like, I get it. It's wild, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, then some other stuff. We've had a lot of live action um, show announcements, not specifically on the Hollywood side, though we did get our first um, our first look at James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez's Battle Angel Alita movie coming next year. Featuring big anime eyes. Ginormous anime eyes. Um, and like, you know, that's out and that's coming pretty soon. But we also have a live action Netflix series for Erased coming out. In fact, I think that just started um, the 15th. So like right before we're recording this. Yeah. And it might be debuting in English as well. I know it's 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 uh, it's more than just in Japan, which that. You know, uh, it could be neat. I feel like live action makes it a lot harder for certain shows, but Erased is grounded in a reality that makes it feel like it would benefit from it. Because it's very much just sort of like uh, like a, a crime thriller. Yeah, I, it took me a bit to remember what it was. But yeah, I feel like this is a show that would work for live action. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's not a lot of, like, real out there stuff you would have to do, unlike the... Netflix live-action Mob Psycho 100 show, which is coming out in January. I don't... I feel like that's going to be really hard, not only to adapt, but also to follow up the anime. Yeah, because the anime had a huge amount of style for it. Right, like, like the anime was huge on style and effects and sort of, like, really, um, you know, took... Uh, mobs signature style and like fleshed it out for animation but like yeah I, I don't know how that works in live action that one feels a lot harder to to pull off and I don't know how that's gonna go yeah or, or if it's even gonna like cover the same stuff oh speaking of mob it's uh coming to an end soon <laughs> oh right I almost forgot that uh yeah he's um you know, one's finally getting around to uh, to to finishing that up, which that's interesting because I I know it started a while before One Punch Man, sort of like the sleeper hit of his career. Yeah, I wonder what that's going to do. I wonder if they're gonna they're gonna do more anime out of that. Then they probably are. It feels like it's it would work really well as just a second season. The rest of the content. Yeah, and like I mean, that first season did pretty well, so I feel like you know not following it up. Um, then a, a couple other live action, we have a live action Kakegurui series coming to Japan, which the content would not be hard to do. The acting, I feel like, is the hard part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when you can draw everyone having horrible overreactions, like, it's different than having to, like, simulate that with your real face. I mean, also. I was just going to say the the voice acting from that show was really good. Right. It's going to be interesting to see for sure if we ever get a chance to to see it. Yeah. And last year Konami announced that they were trying to do a bunch of movies based on their um game properties. And first up they're giving Contra a live-action film and television series in China. 
like an animated series? No. Mm, I believe it's also a live action television series. Okay, I'm kind of interested in how you would do live action Contra. Yeah, I guess it would be sort of like all of those like pulpy, like 80s action movies, like your Rambos and stuff. You know, like yeah. the things that it seems very heavily inspired by. It'd be interesting to see what they do with that for a film and a show. Like, what what are the distinctions here that you're making? And like, what content is there to pull from Contra besides, you know, you fighting soldiers that slowly turn into horrible aliens? Like, what a weird first choice from Konami. Did they- but I guess like... Oh, good. I was gonna say, did the Castlevania stuff uh, show not count? Oh, you're right. I had almost forgotten that that was Konami. You're right. They did do that, though. I don't know how much they were attached to that, since it's like pretty heavily divorced from his content. But that, you know, that actually does give a good projection of what they could do with something like that, with content like that. Because I'm sure Contra had like a story in the um, manual or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it did. Yeah, I. Man, that Castlevania season two is supposed to be coming sometime soon. Oh, yeah. Hopefully that's neat. Yeah, I hope that's going to be good. And then, so here's a here's a Hollywood one that I I don't get. So um, the 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 writer of Thor Ragnarok and the producer of the original Thor movie, Craig Kyle, revealed that he is developing a live action uh, television series based on Garay, which is like a, it's a very like obscure pick to pull from. Like it's um, it's it's sort of um, oh shoot, uh, like Shaman King esque. It's one of those sort of like shonen series that's like about fighting spirits and people who can see them and like exercising demons. It feels like it would have had to been a the director's choice then. Yeah, like this feels like it would be sort of like a um like a a thing where and this is like a passion project. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that would be the case. Yeah, and <laughs> like the 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 keynote or whatever from his appearance where he announced this talks about how much he's really into to Garay and um Claims that he thinks it has the potential to be the next Game of Thrones, which is incredibly bold. That's but, incredible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it seems like the the dude's way into, like, Japanese media and bringing it over. So, I, like, what do we have now? We have the Cowboy Bebop TV series. We have the One Piece one. We have this, like, there's so much happening in the world of, like, American-made anime adaptations that I just don't know what the end like is this a bubble that's going to burst are we going to finally have like a a hit I don't know at this point I'm just surprised that it's like that this is a trend now yeah like especially like TV series like you would have never seen like a TV series before this and I wonder what that like what the changes from that to like you know full feature films because i feel like it can't cost less right like i don't know we'll have to see how that goes because i feel like 2018 is going to be the year where several of those appear 
and finally start airing. Yeah, for sure. So who could say? Um, then we also have the first official English Toho game releases coming next year. Oh, really? Well, I guess mainline Toho would be the right word for it, not... Because there have been Toho spinoffs released. Right, well, yeah, first Toho is made by Zoom. Because I think um, the newest game, whatever Toho 16 is going to be called, and the most recent um, fighting game spinoff are getting um, official English releases on Steam via Playism. Oh, really? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. It's, it's supposed to be, I think, early 2018? Nice. For both of those. And it's just weird to think about, given that, like, it's had such, like, this this the status and sort of like you know it's been sort of a cult property for so long because they have such dedicated fans willing to translate all of it to finally get like a real deal official english translation almost feels weird honestly i think it's pretty cool that it that that there's enough of a fan base in the us for this to happen yeah no totally i think it's really cool it's just also something i would have never expected but i guess playism as a company has been doing a lot of work to to bring these sorts of games over, like, things that we wouldn't normally see. Yeah. You know, it's it's a cool company bringing over, like, real niche stuff, and nothing says niche quite like Toho. So it'll, yeah, it'll be cool to see, like, what the quality of that is and what that means going forward. Like, if this does well enough, which I assume it would, since this is the, this is the time for fans to shine and really get that big. And I wonder if, like, I don't know, we're going to start seeing more, like, English doujin circles doing, like, um, arranged CDs or something. Like, what happens to the fandom when suddenly it becomes way more accessible? <laughs> so then there's also another game release coming, uh, or at least, like, a Kickstarter for a localization of a visual novel. Um, did you ever see or hear about that visual novel where you date um, Nikolai Tesla, but he's, like, a, a, a cyberpunk, steampunk anime boy? I feel like that sounds familiar. Well, good news. Um, we're bringing over one where it's a young, cute girl, Isaac Newton, <laughs> that we date. Uh, okay. And this is called Newton and the Apple Tree. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know much about the content of it, but it feels like there's subgenres within subgenres. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting plenty of material, um, released in English, which is just like, this is my fan fiction about a real life person, and it's fascinating and funny and also just a little weird. I mean, I'm familiar with the Fate franchise, so I guess I guess you're right. Fate Fate originated that that cool style, but I feel like this one is mm, even more explicit about it, and it's just like a wild sort of thing. <laughs> Like it's a it's a like a time travel thing where it's oh no we time traveled and uh, Isaac Newton's a girl in this universe and they have to figure out how to get back. Great. Oh, incredible. Oh, speaking of oh speaking of weird things. Oh man, uh, Batman Ninja. Remember Bat? Did you see oh, the shit, Batman yeah, Ninja yeah, trailer? Yeah, I saw that. I saw oh, that. Oh my god. So Batman Ninja is a CG um, CG animated movie coming out. I I think people who worked on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure are working on it. Like um like people who are doing animation stuff are like directing it. I think screenwriter is like Trigger and um 
Dynax alum. I think the character designer is the dude from Afro Samurai. Like it is. It is. Oh man, what a what an incredible uh, group of people to be working on this whole thing. And the the music is by the person who did music for Psychopaths and um, Diamond is Unbreakable. That's really good. Uh, yeah, so apparently the project is already three years in the making, so I assume we're going to see it relatively soon, right? Like, within the next year. Yeah, I assume so. But so Batman Ninja is, I think it's an isekai thing? I think it is a travel to another world story? Yeah, it is. Batman gets transported to feudal Japan somehow. Right. And so Batman wears samurai armor and I I guess fights a, a ninja clan that's run by the Joker. And he's got a motorcycle still, which is awesome. This is... Man, this... I don't know how to feel about it yet, but all I can think of is, like, man, this is cool. It's the only thing I can, I can like, process about this. I was gonna say, this is really stupid and good, and I want to see it. Yeah, like... And, like, the style's actually kind of cool as far as CG goes. Like, it's a little limited animation, but, like, it's got a feel to it that's like very distinct and i think is like kind of pulling the whole absurd thing together yeah i think it's go i think for better or worse it's going to it's going to be a thing that people will remember yeah and i wonder if this is the sort of thing that gets like dubbed right like are they going to show this in like american theaters too and have like a dub attached to it oh, for I, ninja batman i hope it gets a dub Ah oh, man, that would be so good. Like, man, is there even a Batman Brave and the Bold still isn't going? I don't know if they have like a a Batman animation crew right now, so I don't know who they get for this. But imagine, if you will, they bring back Mark Hamill for one more job, and it's Batman Ninja. He can't escape. Ah, oh, incredible! Just everything about it seems like over the top in a way that like works. Yeah, for sure. Um, in other film news, we have a My Hero Academia original story film coming out in summer 2018, which is surprising, given that in 2018, they're also doing another season. Yeah, I, it, I'm curious if, if uh, Horikoshi is doing the story for this one. Um, yeah, it doesn't say who's writing the original story, but I think it it is Horikoshi, or at least like, He's, um, like, overseeing it in some way. Hmm, nice. So, it'll be interesting to see, and it seems like it's, like, canon, where he talks about, like, it showing, like, uh, an unrevealed past of a certain character, and, of course, focusing on Class A, but, like, you know, there's not a ton of information about that out, but it's, this is the year for My Hero Academia, I guess, like, that it's not only getting another anime, but also this big original movie. I mean, given what's going to be happening in the next season, it is definitely going to be big. Also, people think that the uh, mysterious blonde-haired girl on the poster is uh, the invisible girl. Huh. Wow. That'd be, that'd be something. And then they also have that game that they just announced, uh, My Hero Academia 1's Justice. Yeah, it's uh, like a Ninja Storm kind of game, apparently. I haven't seen the yeah, trailer but, yet. But not by CyberConnect 2. It's, it's a 3D fighting game... By the Gundam Versus and Tekken and Soul Calibur crew. Huh, that's got potential then. 
Yeah, so that's definitely got a potential to it. Um, not a lot of footage has come out of it, but it, it could be interesting. That's that's something to look out for. It could be neat. And then this one, I feel like, is maybe the weirdest announcement. Um, well, not not the initial part. There's there's a new Pokemon film coming out. Big surprise. The 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 surprise attached to it is that uh, Wit Studio is doing it. Uh, also known for doing Attack on Titan and uh, <laughs> Ancient Magus Bride. Like, I feel huh. like this is, I don't know if this is it perfectly correct, but this feels like the first time that it's really, like, out of the hands of the, the, the like, mainstay studio. I think it's OLM, uh, who normally do it, like, but Wit Studio is, uh, like, the, the headlining uh, studio for this. That's cool. I've, it's a bit of an odd choice, considering how really expressive the Sun and Moon anime has apparently been. Yeah, like, it's it's a totally different look, too. Like, it's definitely, it's definitely not the same anime style as before, but it's definitely not sort of like the jokey sun and moon thing. Like, it's sort of trying to find this balance. It's very soft from the little preview that they've given. Oh, is, is that where that one image of Ash with long hair has come from? That, well, that's an edit of the thing from the preview but yes ah yeah that's it that's that's an edit to it but yes that is where that base image comes from and it definitely seems like maybe it's trying to do something more serious so i don't know it's after uh pokemon the movie i choose you was such a, a an uproar as it were both good and bad it seems like interesting that they're doing more of these like what seem like, you know, risks as far as risks can go with the Pokemon franchise. Yeah, it's neat. You know, like, yeah, bring different people in doing new things. Could be cool. And then final just sort of miscellaneous news is um, Yu Yu Hakusho is getting a, like an anniversary Blu-ray release. And uh, uh, supposedly along with it, is there's supposed to be an all new animated work attached to it. Uh, no real details of what that is, but, uh, you know, it's been a long time since I watched Yu Yu Hakusho, but it would be nice to see all those, uh, all those boys back at it again. I've, I think I've been, uh, hearing some rumblings of people rewatching it over Twitter, and it seems like it still holds up pretty well, the dub especially. Yeah, it seems like it would be the sort of, uh, the thing that holds up pretty well. It, I mean, like, I think I remember the animation sort of, like, uh, going to shit near the end, but you know, that's what happens with long-running series, especially in the, in you know, in the early '90s. Yeah, but, you know, people like uh, people like uh, Yoshihiro Tagashi. So you know, I I can only imagine that more of that series would make fans happy. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, Japan is uh, making ways to like legitimize esports in in a big way. Sort of like, you know, try to make this one entity of esports and issue like professional licenses to people and like really make this into like a business. Nice. And I think that's cool, but I think that <laughs> the, the game choices they have are a little weirder. It's uh, Pro Evolution Soccer 2018, mm -hmm. um, Street Fighter V, which is sure, yeah. Tekken 7, which sure, uh, Puzzles and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> And Monster Strike, which I didn't realize, I guess there must be an an eSport attached to, like, 
Does Puzzle Dragons even have a competitive element? Now I now I feel like I haven't done the research that I need to. I don't know. But like, yeah, they're issuing pro athlete licenses for Puzzles and Dragons. I was gonna say that's absolutely incredible that for for Puzzles and Dragons of all things. Yeah, and like apparently the the reason they're doing this is so that they they can't that the the Japanese government currently like limits how much you can pay out for prize money. Oh, and so the idea is that if they're legitimizing this, they can make it bigger. They can give out more. They can make it like they can make it sports. Nice. <laughs> so like you know like government recognized athletes, which that could be neat. And I wonder if that ever comes to like you know other parts of the world, like. You know, we already treat things like, you know, StarCraft like a real sport. So I wonder what we do, you know, going forward with things like that. I kind of hope so. Yeah, I mean, look, we've we've legitimized a lot of very um, alternative ways of making a living. I feel like esports is, like, pretty low on the bar of, like, weird things you can do for a living at this point. But yeah, that's all the news I had for this season, and I think that makes it time for us to talk about anime. Anime! And, so, as always, we start off with our leftovers from the fall season, things that are carrying over to the new year. And the first one on this list is Ancient Magus Bride. Yeah. And we've reached the point in the show where um, I haven't read the manga part of it, so I'm more excited to sort of see how those things change uh, and, like, how the story develops. But, like, I feel like Ancient Mages Bright as an adaptation has been, uh, like, really good in terms of sort of breathing life into its source material with, like, color and the addition of music and things like that. Yeah, I've been enjoying the show, too. I, I haven't actually read the manga, so this is all new stuff for me, but uh, I'm a bit behind because it's sometimes hard to watch because it's a pretty depressing show sometimes. It's it's heavy. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, heavy stories in it, and certainly, like, like the things that Chisei goes through and has experienced and has these flashbacks about are, like, really dark in a very, like, human, empathetic sort of way, and it's... It, it can be rough at times, for sure. Like, there's a lot of topics that are not easy to swallow, but I think that the way it handles it in general it is pretty well done, especially in sort of, like, not focusing on the, the like, romance-marriage aspect of Chisei and Elias's, um relationship, and really putting more emphasis on them as, like, student-teacher... You know, sort of like as Chisei learns to understand and appreciate the world around her. And Elias slowly starts to do the same thing, I think. Well, sort of, yeah. Like, he definitely starts to understand, you know, humans and humanity. Yeah. A, a, a good sort of give-and-take relationship. Yeah, for sure. And, like, the, the I think the, the side cast is pretty well-rounded. Like, def a lot of different types of characters that help, like, inform the world and the story in a way that's, like, really charming. It's a really nice series that is sometimes, like, hard to watch just because it gets into sort of, like, very dark topics. And not even, like, just 
at the human side, but like, um, I'm sure we'll get into this more in the, the, the review, but like the, the kingdom of cats arc. Oh yeah. That- definitely has a lot of that with sort of like, sort of the, the depths of humanity and the way that like we can, we can like pervert our ideals for the sake of people that we care about. Yeah. That was some, some stuff. Yeah, and so it's it does a lot of stuff like that, but I think it does it well, and so I've been really appreciating that, and just like the look of it, I think is really good. It's a really it's a really good series, I think, and I uh, I I really enjoy it. I'm I'm happy that this this uh, adaptation is uh, is elevating its source material like this. Yeah, I'm I'm happy experiencing it for the first time, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's a good series. Then, uh, next up, another series that maybe sometimes gets a little heavy and hard to watch. Uh, March comes in like a lion second season. So, like the first season, uh, it's crossing the year boundaries, which makes it hard to discuss for things like anime of the year. But, like, March comes in like a lion, I feel like, has, for the most part, been pretty consistent with the first season. And I think it does a good job, um, more, uh, more often than not of, like, balancing the shogi aspect of it to sort of the character aspect of it. Yeah, it, it's it been doing that pretty dang well lately, balancing Ray's shogi life with his character relationships with other folks, and it's been using it as a pretty good, just... Eh, lost my train of thought. Like, um, I feel like this second season, at least early on, was very focused on other characters you know kind of sort of trying to build out the supporting cast in a way that was like a little hard to get back into after such a long break but you know still still the world felt alive like once we get back to um to ray everything feels familiar again and you know we meet the uh we meet the sisters again who had been out of the anime for a while in the first season and so it's nice to kind of have everything come back together. Yeah, it's... I actually rewatched this at, shortly after the first episode came out for a reason I can't understand, and I do feel like rewatching the first episode after I watched the old stuff felt it, it felt a lot more natural. It felt like just a straight continuation of where we left off from. Yeah, it's definitely just like they... It's like, you better remember what happened in the last season because we are not going to, like, introduce you at all it is just more march comes in like a lion which i think is fine it's a it feels like a very akiyuki shinbo choice and i think it does work out for the series sort of like thrusting you in and sort of like forcing you to to re um realign yourself with sort of the the show when you start watching it i think the show has had an even better scene direction this season to be honest yeah, it definitely feels like it's maybe not falling into Akiyuki Shinbo's, like, bag of tricks as often. And some of the stories, I feel like, have been, like, um, really, really strong. Like, in particular, um, we had uh, the, the arc with uh, Hinata. And I think that whole thing was, like, sort of the best parts of March Comes In Like a Lion like, condensed into three episodes. 
Yeah, it's still sort of ongoing, but yeah, I do agree that those three episodes were really, really excellent. Yeah, and I think it it, it deals with, you know, a pretty serious issue and is able to, like, handle it pretty well, just like, because, you know, it's, it's the thing about bullying, it doesn't, like, try to sugarcoat anything, it shows how bad bullying can go and, like, People who are in charge who are supposed to t- help you sometimes just don't because they're scared as well. And just like, you know, sticking up for the things that you believe in. It's a very, it, it is, again, like, kind of hard to watch, kind of like some of the things from Mage's Bride. But like, it it's very evocative and it, and it strikes the tone it wants to very well. Yeah, it absolutely nails all the emotions it wants you to feel. Yeah, like even... Even though I think some of the comedy, like, falters a bit in the midst of things like its dramatic storylines, certainly, like, the parts where it wants to be serious are, like, phenomenal. Yeah. So, from one spectrum to another, um, you're, you're also continuing with a couple other shows, like, um, Garo Vanishing Line, which, given that it is about a guy named Sword, can't imagine that it's, like, super emotional. Actually, it has been. Really? Okay, so uh, we'll go into it more in the, the review, but like, talk about where, where Garo is right now and sort of like where you see it going. All right, so uh, Garo Vanishing Line is uh, a toku show about these, uh, these folks, the, uh, the Makai Knight. They're called Makai Knights, and they're basically fighting against horrors, a pretty tim- typical sort of toku sort of setup. But I think where where Vanishing Line differs from other stuff is that this is a show that really cares about its characters. Like, the first few episodes really sort of uh, get you introduced to the the four main characters of the show. Sword, Sophie, Luke, and Gina. Yes, he is named Sword. I, I love that he's named Sword. Sword is such a good name against three other totally normal names. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But this show wants you to care about its characters and actually has a pretty decent tone to it. Like, it, like, there's this huge battle between Sword and this bad guy, the, uh, named Knight. And it spends an entire episode showing you the absolutely destructed aftermath of this battle and all the, the civilians that suffered because of this, because all these buildings and places to live got destroyed. It, it was very, st- I don't know. It's not something I really expected this show to do, that it, that it cares about the people in the show as much as it does. I'm kind of optimistic about it right now. I'm hoping that it's going to like continue these nice character moments combined with these pretty solid action sequences. And, you know, it it's interesting to see a big, beefy doofus named Sword actually have <laughs> a char- like actually have a character and not just be a goofy character of a person. Right, it's it definitely um, not not totally following off what you just said, but, like, it feels like the, the previous Garo animes have had, like, mixed reception at best, but this one seems to be, like, pretty solid overall from, like, the, the reactions I've seen to it. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's, it's been a nice surprise. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Is it, like, super pulpy, like the, like the sort of hard... Um, coloring style from the the preview seemed to make it out to be, or is it like pretty well worn in sort of like the the style of like a your average tokusatsu? Oh no, it's pretty pulpy. Okay, 
Okay, so it does kind of stick to that as like a, a style point. Yeah, and I think it works well for it. Because I really haven't seen anything from it besides, I feel like, multiple prolonged references to the part where he eats like a big plate of french fries and a big steak. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been pretty pulpy throughout. It's It's balanced its goofy parts with its serious parts pretty well. That's cool. And then, lastly, and uh, I mean, most importantly, uh, we're continuing on with Yu-Gi-Oh! Brains. Yeah! Yu-Gi-Oh! Brains feels like it's coming to a head very fast. We are on episode 31 now, and this feels like Endgame, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, it feels like the, the Knights of Hanoi are going to be doing something big, and no, like, from the preview for next week's episode, uh, yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah, like, it, it, we're at the point where, like, all of the, like, second-in-command for this Illuminati have been defeated, so all that's left is the final person and his big plan, and his big plan literally just came to fruition. So, like, it feels like either Vrains is going to be very short, or it's kind of stepping away from the style of, like, Zexel and Vrain- or and um, Arc v- 5, where it's going to be doing more, like, seasonal storylines rather than one long, elongated plot. I mean, there are still some mysteries that we don't know about, like, what the hell is I, and also- and also what the deal is with the mysterious heads of Sol Technologies that communicate via chess pieces. Right, so it's like, I don't know if that's gonna- they're all gonna try to, like, roll that up into this storyline with Revolver and everything, or if it's just going to be a case of, like, this season handles this part, and then the next one handles another part, and it's going to be, like, broken up more more so than in other, um, in the previous two series. Definitely feels like it's going to be doing the this is this, is this season's story sort of thing. Yeah, c- just because of how paced- it is right now with sort of like the ending, um, you know, coming up. It definitely feels like we're hitting end game of this storyline 31 episodes in. And if I know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh, it's not going to go. It's not going to just end until at least 100 episodes in. <laughs> Look, we got time, hopefully. And it's like, it's been fun. Vrains, Vrains definitely rides a good balance of like self-serious and also fun and i think that's really benefited by the fact that i as like the companion or like the mascot character is so like detached from everything it feels like yeah he's he's definitely in his own little bubble and he's just like turning yusaku's dual disc into a drone yeah just <laughs> He's, like, a a spot of, like, goofiness or sort of, like, lightheartedness in a show with not a lot of that. And so it's, like, it's it's really doing a good balancing act of sort of, like, everyone is the straight man to, uh, to I's funny man. I mean, there's also, go, I do a heel turn. Right, but, like, within the, within the context of that story, where he does... Two, he, he does a heel turn and a face turn within a single duel. It's all, like, very self-serious. Yeah, it is, but it's still really hilarious. 
God, man. Well, I mean, we'll we'll be sure to talk about it. But he spits acid in a man's face. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, he really goes full heel. But that's all the leftover stuff. And then next up, we have all the shows we're very interested in checking out. These are shows that we feel like have a lot of potential. And nothing says potential like the pop team epic anime Heck yeah. that we're both going to be watching. So pop team epic is a four coma by an artist by the name of B cub who was more well known for a while for sort of like his weird four comas of Toho characters. Yeah. And eventually this is spiraled into him getting his own like comic deal with uh, pop team epic, which is definitely like, falls harder on some of the styles that he that he did with these Toho um, comics, where it's, like, a very irreverent sort of humor style. You know, it, it's... So it doesn't always have to have, like, a, a comprehensible joke to it, if you know what I mean. Like, sometimes it's just, I wanted to do this weird thing, and I don't really care if other people think it's funny. It usually is, though. Yeah, no, I'm not saying... But, like, it's not, like, traditionally funny, I feel, either. It's very shitpost funny. Yeah, it's it's definitely... It's very millennial humor, right? <laughs> it's all very sort of, like, nonsense in a way that, like, flows once you start reading more of them. Like, the, it becomes apparent what kind of humor it's going for. Yeah, I, I'm excited for whatever this nonsense is gonna be. And what's great about it is the PV gives you absolutely zero idea what the anime is gonna be like. Yeah, it's really good. The preview... For this anime is like an interview with like an American um an American tourist in Japan and sort of like talking about and like he gets <laughs> by the end he just gets kidnapped by two people dressed as the pop team epic characters <laughs> and like shoved into a white van and that's the whole thing there's no animation to it at all it's like no idea what to expect but if it can like still hit the same feel of sort of like irreverence that um that the the comic gives i think there's something special to be gotten from pop team epic i i'm i'm hoping it turns out to be good yeah because i have no idea how it's going to be um how it's going to be done because like the four coma style doesn't super fit with that like as like with um, what was it? Like Nozaki Kun did that was a four coma that they did, but also had like plot in, but you know, like there were several four comas attached that have a plot. Like none of Pop Team Epic stories go past four panels, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. It's super weird that it's like listed under the full length animes too. Yeah, it's also twenty four minutes somehow, right? Like, of all the shows you'd expect to be a short, Pop Team Epic is there, but no. Like, I would almost imagine it being, like, TQ-esque, but I guess they're gonna find a way to make it 24 minutes. It's 24 minutes of shit posts. <laughs> oh, God bless. I mean, sometimes you just need that in your life, and I hope Pop Team Epic can deliver on that. Yeah, same. Again, to, like, move to the entire other end of the spectrum... We're both also checking out Darling in the Franks, which is a, a collab between Studio Trigger and A1 Pictures. And it's, I mean, it's, 
it's giant robot, which you might expect from like, you know, Studio Trigger given all of their pedigree with like Gynax stuff, you know? It's it's almost like a returning to roots. Yeah, I, I was thinking that sort of thing as well. It feels very Gundam-esque, I guess, in that sort of, like, it's about child soldiers in sort of, like, a ruined, um, a ruined world, sort of, like, living on this mobile city, and, you know, these kids drive mechs in duos and carry out missions to fight against, like, alien life forms of some kind. And we don't know a ton outside of that, but I feel like there is... Studio Trigger never just, like, plays something totally straight. So I'm interested in what they can do with a very, like, like a more serious setup, right? Like, it feels like this is going for dramatics in a way that their style hasn't always, like, fit. Like, you know, all the other ones are kind of, like, irreverent in a sort of way, or, like, you know, very goofy. And this one definitely feels like it's trying harder to make, like, an impact with something. Yeah, I'm kind of curious as to where this show is gonna be going and, like, character interactions and all that sort of stuff. Like, it, how how is it gonna be played? Because, like you said, we really don't know that much about it. Yeah, we don't know much about it, and, like, everything that it looks from is, like, yes, that is the trigger style, but it feels like it's... Like, all the designs and stuff feel like it's definitely, like, playing it a little more safe than Trigger does, which maybe comes from the fact that they're, like, collabing with A1 and they have, like, a bigger budget and sort of, like, you know, they're following sort of a different trend with Darling and the Franks. Yeah, it could be some of A1's uh, decisions on that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I don't know how this is going to do because, like, also Trigger so far has been very much, like, its own thing, like, you know, kind of don't give a damn what anyone thinks about what Studio Trigger does. And so it'll be interesting to see something like this. I'm I'm really curious what they're going to be able to do with it. Especially coming off of a show that I really liked. Yeah, that that's honestly what has me the most worried, is that Little Witch Academia was really good, and I'm kind of worried that this show isn't gonna be as good. Right, because it's like, nothing else they've done has really hit me in the same way that Little Witch Academia did. So it's like, oh man, maybe they'll go, you know, two for two in a row. Kind of thing. Like, and in such a vastly different style. Yeah, here's hoping. Yeah, and like, it definitely feels like, (laughs) um, Trigger goes for like, sort of like, fan favorites and maybe not like, you know, the favorite, like, in terms of, like, popularity or sort of, like, coverage. So it'll be interesting to see. This definitely feels like its most mainstream thing, and I think that's what's going to end up deciding how big it gets. I don't know. I thought Little Witch Academia could be a mainstream thing. Yeah, okay, you're right. It. I, I guess with Little Witch Academia, there was that first push, but, like, everything I feel like up to, like, Kisnaver felt a lot more, like, niche, you know? Yeah. Then, uh, you're watching a show, um, coming right off one Fate train and onto another. We have Fate Extra Last Encore. Yeah, so, uh, Fate Extra Last Encore is an adaptation of a video game that came out, came out in 2010, and it's in, and Fate Extra follows, um, this, uh, 
Frick. What's his canon name? Is this Nero? Or no, you mean the boy. Yeah, I mean the boy. It... Yeah, I can never remember his canon name, because he's nameable. Ah, there we go. It's Hakuno Kishinami. Uh, it's about him waking up in a strange classroom, and him getting involved in this holy grail war, because the the big thing about Fate Extra is that it, it is extremely cyberpunk, because the holy grail war takes place inside the moon, which is a giant computer that observes humanity. Holy shit. Yeah, it the background setting of Fate Extra is some wild shit. So, um, okay, this is gonna show how little I know about the Fate series. Is this the one that ends- do you- do you know a lot about Fate Extra? I guess I should start this. Uh, yes. Is this the one that ends with Heaven's Hole, or am I thinking of a different game? That is the pseudo-sequel CCC. Okay. Alright, so this is before that whole thing happens, because that's, like, the one big thing I know about Fate Extra is, like, that's weird. Yeah, that- Is the whole Heaven's Hole thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, now that is extra. But um so Fate Extra is like a is a story before that. It CCC I think takes place in like the middle of it, but nobody remembers it. Oh, okay. Everyone just pretends it didn't happen. No, it uh it I wish I could play Extra CCC, but it doesn't have an English translation and will probably not get an English release ever. Is there not a patch for it? I thought I had seen something like that. Someone's working on one, but release date unknown. But like Fate Stay Night, it's three million words, so it'll take forever to get translated. Yep. And the the focus of this one isn't on the the same saber; it's on like Nero, right? Yes, that's the Nero is okay. Nero is very much a fan favorite. At, well, all three servants in uh, in extra are fan favorites, but it because Nero is the saber, she gets the uh, the starring role. Right. The Red Saber. Because that's where um, Rin comes from also, right? No, Rin was in the original novel, but there's also- Who's the- hmm? There's a Rin in this one, right? Yes. There's someone who looks like Rin. Yeah. Okay. And then is it- Then who's the who's the beefy guy? Is that an archer or is that a- Um, the- Is that a- The one on the cover? Yes. Yeah, he's an archer. Okay, that's an archer. Look- Doing this with you, eventually I'm going to learn everything I need to know about fate, I'm sure. <laughs> oh no. But, uh, okay, so this is, uh, this will uh, be interesting. Again, like, it seems like fate has suddenly gotten bigger in maybe an inexplicable way. Oh no, there's a very clear reason for that, and it's the phone game. Is, is it Grand Order? Yeah. Yeah, that, okay, that I, exploded. I, oh yeah, I did hear that it was, like, the most popular app, at least for a while. Yeah, it's it's still really And that big. seems nuts. It. I I'm excited for more for the point because uh I think in a few months is the point where the writing where the quality of the writing and that dramatically improves. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Finally, it gets to the good part of the mobile game. Yeah, but I guess my to actually talk about the anime. One of the things I'm hoping for is that they uh they figure out a way to to pace it better because the actual game is feels very much like a a fate version of Persona Three. Okay. Huh. And, uh, and Shaft's doing this one, right? I think they worked on the game. I, they might have done the, uh, the opening animation for the game, but, Right, yeah. that's what I meant, yeah. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this turns out good, because Nero is, uh, a character I like a lot. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. Uh, then, 
I have my solo pick for the season, and that is Cardcaptor Sakura, clear card arc. The return. The the finally, like the I think this was for like the 20th anniversary at this point that the manga came out, and now they're making an anime of it. And I got into Cardcaptor Sakura, I think like two years ago. It was very um very very late, all things considered to it. But I I end up really enjoying it. It definitely feels sort of like a, a progenitor for a lot of um, Magical Girl stuff to come later. And it's very charming in uh, in a really nice way, I think. Um, all the characters are really well done. And so I'm interested to see what it's like, you know, for for not only the writers of the, you know, the original, uh, the original card capture Sakura, but then like the director and the studio and the people working on the anime for it, how things have changed and developed within these like 20 different years, right? Like clamp has become a very, uh, different sort of group since then. And it seems like the style um, of, like, the the previews and stuff for the anime has gone, like, even harder in on sort of, like, the the shoujo aspect of it, where everything's a lot lighter, everything is, like, definitely has a lot more sort of, like, tone to it. So I'm interested to see what they do with it and sort of, like, how they can build upon that story, because I feel like they left it pretty open-ended as, like, a, this this finishes the story, but there's plenty of other things to happen in the world. With the original series, so I, I think it's going to be cool. Uh, yeah, Card Capture Soccer is cool, and I'm excited to see, even if it doesn't turn out like you know as good as the original, just what it's like to return to something like that after 20 years. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious as to how it's going to go myself, but uh, I am completely unsure if I can watch it, partially because uh, Nero and Sakura have the same voice actor. <laughs> oh, that'd make it kind of hard, I guess. It's it would be a hell of a shift. <laughs> yeah, the the uva of Japanese voice actors, I feel like, is in such a way that like you start to recognize that, and suddenly it like really changes something how you like read the characters. Yeah. And then the last one on here is sort of like a. It, this feels like the rogue pick in a lot of ways. It's called Hakata Tonkatsu Ramens, and you're watching this, so why don't you? explain this. Alright, so, uh, Hakata Tankatsu Ramens is... It seems like it's gonna be, like, a, a crime drama sort of sort of uh, anime. Mm -hmm. But I think what got me most interested in it is the, the PV has, like, most of the music is just straight-up jazz, and I feel like that sort of thing works really well for a crime drama, so it, I'm just, you know, I'm curious about it because I want to see, like, a... a crime drama back with some nice jazz and it would fit the tone really well. I don't know. It's it's just something I'm super curious about. Yeah, I wasn't super into the animation, but definitely it has like a style to it that feels good from the the preview. And it's like, it's weird. Like, here's this, it's the city where sort of like everything seems okay, but like the individuals there are all really good at something. Like, it, they've got professional killers and detectives and stuff like that. And, like, uh, someone who is, like, the professional killer killer shows up. And it seems like it's going to be, like, a bunch of these, like, 
oddball characters sort of coming together to like solve that sort of mystery. Yeah, the premise seems pretty interesting, and I I think I figured out why I want to watch this, and it feels like, and it's because it would it might feel the ninety one days shaped hole that I've been that's been missing. Yeah, I could see that, like kind of ninety one days. Yeah, I maybe like a little more over the top than something like ninety one days, but definitely sort of that same vibe. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not watching this to start out, but it's definitely something I'd want to keep my eye on because it it does seem like something that could be really uh fun to watch. Yeah, I'm hoping it is. It's at least it's going to get a couple episode test from me. Okay. So, knocking that off, we go right next to the kind of sort of interested list. Um and this starts out with a couple um shows that I'll be watching first up being uh, Violet Evergarden, which is um, Kiwani's new project. And Kiwani has been pretty miss for me for a while, but I, like, if nothing else, the the technical parts of their animation are like something to really be beheld. Like, they always do an incredible job with what they make because they can pick what they make, you know? Yeah. And Violet Evergarden's been teased for I feel like years at this point, where it was published under Kiwani. They had done like commercials for the light novel. And now finally they're like, you know, they, they've announced that they did this anime and the, finally it's getting put into production. And um, like, there's not a lot to be known about it, but sort of like it's based around a, um, the, it's a technology called auto memory dolls, which are sort of like, created to um, assist humans who need help and are, like, rented out to people. And it's like, there's this there's this blend between some of them are just there to do, like, household things and, like, help people with disabilities, and then also some are built to perform military tasks. And it seems like there's going to be a weird sort of, like, not weird, but sort of like this, this distinction between those two parts of their... Um, they're like tasks and interactions with people in a way that could be done really well. Like, I think it's a very stylish and very like evocative sort of setup that they've put together that could be interesting to see. Yeah, it seems like they're leaning more into the drama side of things with this. Yeah, it's definitely like dropping a lot more of the comedy stuff, which is, it seems like that's been more of what they've been doing, you know, lately. Kind of, well, I guess I say that, but it's like sound euphonium was uh, was a big drama thing. Yeah, yeah. But then you go back; it's like Miss Kobayashi, it's Phantom World, it's Amagi Brilliant Park. It's you know, so I'm interested to see how this one turns out. For sure. Unfortunately, it's a Netflix thing, so watching it legally will take a while. But you know, there are other avenues. Um, and then next up is another show I'm watching, which is called Yuru Camp Delta. I'm not sure if the Delta is actually part of the name or if that's just supposed to be like a tent in the name. But um, Yuru Camp is a story of a club of girls who like to go out and camp, right? It's it's very it's very of that style where it's um it's just girls doing things they like and being cute, and you know um. I feel like I've been 
away from that enough that I'd like to try to get into it again. And Eurocamp just seems to have like a really nice aesthetic to it. And the fact that it's about sort of like outdoors stuff has a lot of opportunities for really nice shots of scenery and like character stuff in a way that just like sitting them in high school doesn't always give. It is in fact a tent. Okay. So it is supposed to be a tent and not a a Delta symbol. Okay. Well, you know, look, either way, important to think about these sorts of things. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking for a feel good thing. And I hope that this can, uh, to fill that hole. It looks cute. I keep confusing it though for the other um, outdoors based cute girls do cute things show Encouragement of Climb, which is also getting a second season, but this is not that show. This is a different thing. Huh. Yeah, you know, the outdoors, they're in now. So these next ones on here, uh, for the most part, are, are from you. And so let's, uh, I'll have you talk about them. This first one is Teasing Master T- Takagi. Yeah. So, um, this is about, uh, a, a middle school student named Nishikata, who gets teased a whole bunch by his neck, the person who's sitting next to him in class, Tagaki. His desk neighbor. Yeah, his desk neighbor. And, um, he, basically, he's trying to make her feel as embarrassed as he does, and it's sort of just, like, these two middle schoolers just trying to mess with each other in a really cute sort of fluffy way out embarrass each other yeah although i'm not sure if takagi is aware of this <laughs> she she's just a natural but you know from what i saw from the preview it just looks kind of cute and charming and not weird at all right which is always nice uh it almost has like a a feel of maybe like um my neighbor seki which is a which is a show about sort of like someone whose deskmate is constantly just doing, like, weird random stuff and sort of, like, pulling them in. Sort of that same sort of dynamic where you focus on two people who are forced to be next to each other and deal with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they're forced. Like, they're really forced. They're just... They're just goofy. Well, I mean, as cl- I mean, as classmates, they're, you know, forced to be next to each yeah, other, yeah, so okay. they I- inevitably interact, is what I meant. Okay, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it seems like a nice... Fluffy show to watch. In the same sort of vein as why you're watching Eurocamp, I'd probably watch this because it's just a nice, cute-looking show. Yeah, sure. Uh, Then next up, we have uh, Hakame and uh, Mikochi. Ah, yeah. So, this is a show that I think a lot of people are looking forward to. Um, It is about these two extremely tiny girls, as in uh, nine... They are nine centimeters tall. They're very small. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's these two girls just living in the forest and going on adventures, and it's just really cute looking. Like, mm-hmm. th- like that's it, really. <laughs> hey, you know, whatever works. I mean, I think the most notable thing about it is, uh, is the animation style of it. Uh, who's 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 doing that? I think it's Lersh. Yeah, Lersh. But yeah, if you haven't seen the PV, I'd say check it out. It it looks very distinct. It's definitely got a lot of detail in its in its nature stuff. And everyone is like a chibi moe blob. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense when you're dealing with like more or less like forest sprite characters. Yeah, that yeah, that's right. I know there's like a, a specific term for those kind of sprites, and that's what they are. Okay. Alright, cool. And then last up on here is uh Dagashi Kashi 2, which is Maybe one of the strangest second seasons I've seen in a while. 
So, Dakashi Kashi 2, uh, follow-up to the candy comedy uh, first season, Dakashi Kashi. And uh, it's changed studios, and it's changed formats, and it's pretty significantly changed art styles. Yeah, it's really weird. So, Takashi Kashi tells the story of um, Hotaru Ishidare, who is sort of like the, uh, the... Heir? The, yeah, the heir to a, a candy throne, as it were. And uh, she pops into sort of a rural candy shop, which uh, the, the owner's son, Kokonotsu uh, Shikata, is there. And he doesn't want to take over his father's candy shop. He wants to become a, a manga artist, but constantly Hotaru kind of pulls him into her candy interests and they get into wacky adventures with the people in the rural area. Yeah, it's a it's a fun show or was a fun show. And yeah, so now it's a short series and now it's got a new art style, maybe more in line with the the manga. And it's uh yeah, I just it's stra- it's a strange change because they also moved studios and stuff. So like I don't know what's going to happen at this point. I don't know if all the staff came over. I don't think so. So yeah, like it it seems like it's going to be very different in tone. I feel like where um maybe like some of the first season felt padded out, maybe like the short series is supposed to like try to make the 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 jokes land and more frequently. Yeah, I can see that. But I don't know because like when they say short, they mean it's a 15-minute series. Like at that point what's even the point of calling it a short like who knows? It, it seems weird to be, like, halfway between a full series and what you would, like, traditionally consider a short. So, I don't know. It'll, uh, but, um, I didn't end up finishing the, the first season, but if this one sort of, like, I guess fixes the things I didn't really like about it, like, if it is punchier and more consistent, then maybe I'll give this second season a shot. I, I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I'm gonna watch it. I'm just kind of cautious about it because of the whole big change in quality right with with how much has changed yeah. sure uh then we have a pretty short maybe maybe not section um just shows that we're keeping our eye on but you know these aren't our first picks for things that we're going to be uh looking out for and the first one on here is record of grand crest war which actually comes from the same main team F as uh, the the old series record of Lodos War. Oh, really? Which, yeah, that's that's why it's so similar in name. So, um, and record of Lodos War was basically like uh, I think it was just p- like people at Madhouse who had a sweet D and D campaign that they wanted to make an anime out of. <laughs> and I don't know if if Grand Crest follows that exact same sort of setup. I know A One's doing it now instead of Madhouse, but it might. I think it's. Like, the same writer and general, like, main staff behind it. So it could be interesting to see, again, it's sort of like um, Cardcaptor Soccer coming back, the way that this sort of, like, style of show um, changes, you know, between the original series and something that's, like, so attached but also removed from it. Hmm. It's It seems neat. Like, it's, it seems like a cool action series, but I want to hear sort of, like, what impressions are of it going forward. Yeah, same here, because there's... Def- because it... Even though it looks like 
you know, a generic fantasy anime, that stuff can surprise... It can still turn out surprisingly good, like, uh, Grimoire of Zero did. Yeah. Uh, then we have Beatless on here, which was your pick, and I, I want you to talk about it, because I definitely think there is, like, something interesting that could be gotten from Beatless. It... It feels similar to whatever what Kyoani's thing is doing, because it's it seems like it's both going to be about androids and how they relate to people, and you know, it it, it feels like it's going to be about like it's going to have some sort of what makes an android human thing about it, and that could be interesting. Right. But also, it's about fighting androids, and they're all cute girls, and uh, yeah, it's it's like sort of about robot racism and it's also sort of about like cute anime girls beating the shit out of each other from like the preview yeah I I don't know I don't know what the heck this thing's deal is yeah I don't know exactly what direction it's gonna end up taking um immediately when I read about like you know characters who are um distrustful of AI and see them as subhuman it makes me think of, like, Time of Eve, which was a show that really, like, tried to um, do the argument of, like, what, like, with a sufficiently powerful AI, what is the distinction between a uh, human and a robot, and does it matter? Yeah. It seems like Beatless is doing that while also having the robots punch each other. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely the vibe I get from it, too. Yeah, it's like a virus comes in via, like, a, a cherry blossom storm and causes the AIs to go berserk, but th there's this good AI who hangs out with our weak boy protagonist who loves robots. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the part that worries me. Yeah, so I don't know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Because it definitely could just be... A show like that, but it could it could be something neat. It could even be both. <laughs> what what if it's somehow both? They could look, they could figure it out. And it's um it's a finished series, which is nice. Um it's like a single novel thing, so it should be pretty easy to to like adapt it with a full series. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh then next up we have the the Junji Ito collection, which um I think when it was first announced, it was just sort of like, hey, uh, we're doing a Junji Ito anime, and wasn't really sure where that was going. But um, this this anime seems to be sort of like a, almost like a best of kind of thing, where it's like animating different um, short stories based on uh, his work. Yeah, a collection of one-offs. Yeah, so probably not like your... Um, Uzumaki's or something like that, but it should be interesting to see what they do with that, because Junji Ito has a style to him, and I wonder how that translates to animation. Yeah. And I I hope it's good for the people who like this sort of stuff, but I, I'm just not a fan of horror animes. Yeah, I get that, and like definitely horror has a a lot to live up to when it suddenly has to follow sort of like the, the TV anime um format so i'm waiting to see sort of like what that looks like um they did this is not junji ito's first anime though didn't they i feel like there was like an ova based on gyo or something done at um gonzo or something I feel like there was something else yeah but this this one seems like the first like big deal one yeah that's that's definitely why people are so excited about it right oh gyo, gyo was done by ufotable 
And then uh, last one on here is Mitsuboshi Colors, which is, uh, I guess, my my second pick for cute girls do cute things, sort of like um, fun, easy show to watch, which is about these three little girls who sort of like act as like protectors of the city. And so they're like color coded in their outfits and they go out and sort of like have crazy adventures as they, you know, protect the peace in their own way. And the PV seems to show that it's like, it's not going to get like super wacky, but it's definitely like a bunch of kids act out in a way that feels very like, uh, grade schooler in the way that they they are like they're wearing like those glasses that have the eyeballs that pop out kind of thing and just going around like that's totally normal and like playing 3ds and doing stuff like it, it does feel like very naturalistic and cute but also there's a part in the pv where they are definitely holding a bazooka and so i don't know how we get from 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 a to z there but it seems like a show that could be cute and could be fun to watch so i'll wait to to hear about that yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that. And then our not interested list uh, takes up the majority slot here, and we'll try to go through them pretty quick. First one is Death March to the Parallel World Rhapsody, which seems very um, ReZero, I guess. I think this was announced for an anime before ReZero was, too, but it, it definitely gives off that same vibe of guy goes to very specific fantasy world and he's very good at what he does and all the girls like him kind of thing it's an isekai story yay yay except i think it's explicitly a video game this time but whatever uh then the next one here we have is slow start which is uh, a cute girls do cute things thing where the the only distinction is that I guess the characters started high school a year later than everyone else. I think it's just the main the main girl. Just the main girl. It's it's a it's a flimsy premise to have to to uh to stand out against uh other series of its ilk. It's a, it's a strange choice. Yeah. And I don't know how that like I don't know how a year makes that much of a difference with this, but you know, it's there. Uh then we have Sanrio Danchi, which is uh, also known as Sanrio Boys, which is uh Sanrio's inevitable uh, rise to power where they will control all of the media. Um, This one is the most masturbatory series they've made because it's about boys who like Sanrio products and come to terms with liking Sanrio products even though they're boys. (laughs) Hearing you explain it is just... uh, It reminds me of how ridiculous it is. It's just like a commercial. It's wild. Yeah. But, you know, Sanrio Boys seems to have been doing pretty well. Um, I mean, they're, they're selling products with it. They've got, like, a phone game. There was <laughs> there was a point at some um, American anime convention where they, made, where they did, like, the American Sanrio Boys, and they were all, like, big, muscular, beefy dudes. <laughs> um, like, kind of like bros who had, um, like, Hello Kitty stuff. And it's just, like... Sanrio voice seems weird on that angle, but otherwise it's like a really innocuous anime series about boys who like Sanrio, which good on good on them. Uh, then we have Dame X Prince Anime Caravan, which is based on I think a mobile uh, otome game. It's just it, 
above all else, looks really tacky. That's as, that's as far as I could understand, too. It, it it seems to be anime original content. Yeah, but it's just like, it, it just seems like a very, like, all the characters seem really tacky, and just overall it seems like, mm. Uh, then we have the new Precure, which I feel like, unlike other Precures, when we've gotten to them, we don't have a lot of information on besides it's called Hugto Precure, which could mean anything at this point. I, like, they're all, like, based around, like, a thing, like, before it was, like, you know, going to magic schools, they were all, like, witches and stuff, or the one most recent is, like, they're all based on, like, pastries, or, like, baking, you know, things, and I don't know what they're gonna do with hugs. More hugs? But I- Maybe. I don't have- I don't feel like I have the, the, the time and dedication for Precure. And yet we both have the time and dedication for Yu-Gi-Oh! Shh, <laughs> it's different. <laughs> I only have time in my life for one of those. And I've picked Yu-Gi-Oh! as my hell. Um, then we have GDGD Men's Party, which is a spin-off of a 3D CG improv show from like two years ago called like GDGD Fairies. I guess this is just like an all-male spinoff. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I assume it's still going to be all improv and mocaps like the other shows from that that group. Yeah, I... I've heard somebody say that GDGD Fairies is really funny, so maybe this will be really funny as well. Yeah, but like, man, it's so weird that that feels like it's its own genre, is like improv 3D anime. Also, it's from six years ago. Yeah, man, wild. Uh, Then next up, we have Miss Koizumi Loves Ramen Noodles, which, I mean, it's it seems sort of like, um cute girls do cute things, but they, like, eat ramen, and they uh, learn a lot about food, sort of like in the maybe in the style of, like, a wakakozake, or, like, the, what's that one this season? Like, Love uh, love is Like a Cocktail, where it, it seems like it's gonna be focused both on these cute girls, and also on the the artistry of ramen. Yeah. It... Yeah. Eh. Eh. Uh, then we have Toji no Miko, which is about shrine maidens who have swords and they fight against things. The PV did not make it seem like they're going to be fighting things. They are presumably fighting things because they have swords. But yeah, it's it definitely feels like the, the first time that someone like plops their boobs on someone else's head, I'm like, yep, that's that's a show I'm not gonna watch. <laughs> But I think they're like part of like a like a a SWAT team of shrine maidens. But anyways, um, then we have uh, Gakuen babysitters, which is you know it, the boys who are babysitters. It's like the babysitters club, but for anime. Yep. Then we have Idolish Seven, which is uh, an idol thing that I think started this season. Maybe it's like a preview, couple episodes. It's a it's one of those mixed media things where like they've got a game and they got an anime and they'll probably get like mangas and stuff if it's popular. No, you know, it's boy idols. Uh then next we have um Kokoku, which uh if nothing else, I'm I, I think is interesting because it's being done by um Gino Studio, which was the studio that took over, um, what was the name of that movie? Gen- the Genocidal Organ movie when uh, Manglobe went bankrupt. So I think this is all, or at least like, 
it to some degree ex Manglobe staff working on something. Oh, nice. I think they're also doing um, the Golden Kamui anime uh, in 2018. But it's nice that they're, they they like have sort of regrouped and within this new studio been able to find work. Yeah, I'm I'm glad. Uh, Kokoku seems sort of like a psychological thriller mystery show about um, this this girl who suddenly finds herself um, with her nephew and brother being held ransom. And she gains the ability to stop time in order to, like, save them. But she is not the only one who can stop time. And, like, the visuals aren't super impressive. And the story from what it showed in the previews didn't really grab me. But it could be neat. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of neutral about it, honestly. It, it could go either way. Yeah. Then we have um, Ryuo no Oshigoto, which, if... March Comes In Like a Lion is the serious, dramatic shogi series. This is the the cute and comical one about uh, a teenage boy who is a shogi master, and uh, a nine-year-old girl shows up at his house to to become his disciple. Ah. Ah. It it doesn't seem, like, from watching the previews, it doesn't seem like something like Rokubu, which is like a weird thing where it's like grade schoolers playing basketball. And it and it's like kind of bad. This one seems less focused on the fact that like she's a nine year old or whatever, and more focused on like making Shogi weird. Where it's like they have a, a lot more like wacky characters, you know, on the side, like a dude who's like totally a chuny. Like he's got like the heterochromia, and he like you know wears this this big uh, extravagant jacket and every and like suit to his Shogi matches. Like, it seems pretty innocuous, but it could definitely go bad uh, with a setup like this. Yeah. But, look, I can barely keep up with the Shogi and March comes in like a lion, and that is, like, a sidelined aspect at best. I can't... I can't do Shogi. Look, you just need to watch the uh, the tutorial that March comes in like a lion does, where everything is explained by cats. <laughs> I guess you're right. So then the next one um, on our list is Marchin Madichen. Which is like a, a magical girl school sort of thing where all of the characters have powers based on like um like fairy tales. Yeah. Like uh Princess Kaguya, the little matchstick girl, Snow White, things like that. And I, I I'm not super interested in the premise unless it can like really like elevate that idea. The one thing that like Makes me feel kind of bad that I'm not interested in it is um, the author of the series um, died earlier this year. And so, like, I think right as this got announced. And so it's like a really unfortunate thing where, like, this feels like it's going to be in some ways like a tribute to him. Oh, wow. And his work. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really sad thing that, you know, this happened. But And then um, also on the list is How to Keep a Mummy, which is about a bunch of kids who fall upon um, the cutest little uh, mummy in the world, and they take care of this mummy baby. Which, the one notable thing this show has done, made a mummy cute. I didn't think it was possible. They did it. <laughs> and, and everybody gets all these, like, weird little creatures, apparently. Yeah, it, 
Look, um, the, uh, the dark timeline reboot of the Universal Monsters didn't work. Maybe this is the thing that they need. <laughs> they need to go the opposite direction. New Mummy is a, a baby chibi. <laughs> a weird little moe blob. Yeah. Um, then next up we have Takanomi, which again is sort of, sort of like, seems to be in sort of like this, uh, Miss Koizumi loves ramen noodles, wakakozake sort of thing where it's like, here are some girls who live together in a house and they just, uh, have meals and drink alcohol together and probably talk about like pairings and stuff. Living the life. Yeah. I mean, it's living the dream. It might be interesting just for like, the the like food stuff that goes along with it kind of like i feel like love is like a cocktail would be interesting to see just for like the discussion of food prep yeah uh then we have soul hunter which um looks very decidedly um retro and that's because it is it's based on a very old series um and yeah it 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 seems like it's shown in action in that very sort of like late 90s early 2000s sort of style. Yeah, it's another it's another anime that's getting the Yushio and Tora treatment. Yeah, where like they're going back and maybe actually finishing it this time. Which that could be cool. Like nothing about it like stuck out to me as like oh this is something that I should be paying attention to, but it's cool. I think it's it's cool that when that sort of like boom happened where it's like oh all these shonen things are getting adaptations before they're done that now People are going back and, and like, you know, kind of finishing what they started. Yeah, that's, that's pretty neat. And I'm glad stuff like that is, you know, getting another chance. Yeah. And then uh, last up, we have all of the second seasons that either we haven't watched the originals or we have no interest in, like Overlord 2. Um, Overlord was uh, just kind of like a whatever isekai thing. And I guess it's getting more. The difference is that the main boy is a skeleton. Is a skeleton, but still everyone wants to fuck him. Yep. We can't get too far away from that. Then we have Silver Guardian, second season. Which I think you had said earlier, it's like you didn't even realize that it was popular enough to get a second season. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, did, did you hear anybody watching this? No, but the thing about Silver Guardian is, if I remember correctly... It's a it's a manga, like a Chinese um, adaptation. And so I would assume that it was big enough there. Like, maybe this is sort of like their sword art online. Like, reading the, the description for it, it definitely seems that way. Where this is sort of like the, the this is sort of like their their like big breakout sort of thing. So maybe that's what's uh, pushing forward a second season for it. Uh, another sword art online. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that, I think that's the that, that's the thing that goes along with it. Because it's done by the studio that's done all the other um, manga adaptations. Hmm. Hmm. Um, then we have the, the da- Disastrous Life of Psyche K2, which is like a comedy series that I just, it just never like hit me and it, ne- it never really interested me or got on my radar as something I should check out. We also have the second season of Token Ranbu Hanamaru, which is sort of like the the slice of life Token Ranbu series as compared to the UFOtable one, which was all action packed. Uh, we have the fourth season of Yoamushi Petal called Glory Line, 
And there's just way too much for me to even consider catching up at this point, if I were interested. We have the second season of Kaiju Girls Ultra Kaiju Gajinka Keikaku, which is exactly as you might expect. It is about all of the the classic kaiju from cinema, but they are uh, girls now, you know. Still like 60 feet tall, if I remember correctly. So, you know, that's good. We have the sequel to Time Bokan, uh, The Villains Strike Back, which is, I don't know, it's it's kind of like Carmen Sandiego, I guess, whereas like they go back in history and have to fix all these weird inconsistencies based on uh, Japanese puns that we'll never understand. We have a sequel to uh, like a really old series called Basilisk, and the sequel is the Oka Ninja Scrolls. And I had no idea this existed, but I guess it's cool because I guess it does follow sort of in the the um the soul hunter sort of thing where it's like it seems like it's this old thing that's finally getting more to its adaptation from whenever it started. Yeah, I, I haven't heard I haven't watched Basilisk either, so eh. Yeah. Then uh <laughs> then we have um The Seven Deadly Sins, a revival of the Ten Commandments, which is just more of not the not the eighteen plus Seven Deadly Sins, the other one. The no, Shonen that one gets one. A second season too. Shush, hey, don't spoil that. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that's The Seven Deadly Sins, which seems like, more than anything else, it's popular because it's accessible, because it's on Netflix. And so I'm, it's it's getting more of that. I've heard it's good, too. Yeah, I, I have, I've heard decent things about it. It's just like, it's one of those things that I've never uh, taken the time to look into. Yeah, same here. And then finally, we have... What has been promised to be the final Gintama arc, we swear, we promise, uh, Gintama Silver Soul arc. Which I think mean, which would end with the manga ending, which is definitely ending, guys. We promise, we swear, it's not like Bleach. Oh boy. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, God bless the Gintama fans for sticking through all of this. It seems like it's cool that Gintama basically doesn't have to take breaks in its particular setup. Like, it's not like other. Uh, shonen series it's just like now once they started back up it's like all the way through to the end nice and now as always it's our poopoo garbage list starting off with citrus um citrus made it on the list because it's a it's a yuri series about um step siblings and i think it gets like it has some like the dub cons or like dubious consent sort of stuff to it and, like, a, maybe a harem element to it, too, from what I've heard. Citrus just, like, mm, it really hits every every bell. You know, it, it, it puts up every warning, kind of. It, it's, mm, I mm, Wow. Yeah, I don't. Eh. Yeah. We deserve better uh, same-sex romance stories than things like Citrus. Yeah, for sure. Or that other one that came out this year that I can't think of. Uh, it, uh, NTR. Yeah. What an unfortunate uh, acronym. I don't think it's unfortunate. I think it's extremely intentional. Yes. Absolutely. Then we have another romance thing. Uh, Love is like After the Rain, which is the story of a high school student who falls in love with the manager at her part-time job who is... Um, 45 to her 17 and he's like divorced and while that has a setup similar to something like scum's wish from this year which i think turned out well because it's about how those 
relationships are bad. This one seems to romanticize that relationship in a way that then makes it uncomfortable. Like from reviews and things that I've seen of the the manga, it seems like it is definitely more on the side of like romanticizing the 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 age gap and like the way that love breaks boundaries in a way that seems really uncomfortable. Okay, I'm glad I got the correct impression after reading that description. Uh, then we have uh, Seven Deadly Virtues, which is the, I guess, sister series to uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Seven Mortal Sins, I think, was the dub name. Right, Seven Mortal Sins, because they had to <laughs> separate it from Seven Deadly Sins. Mm, really, really, mm. But yeah, so the idea is that in the previous series, they, like, spread their plague to the world, and so all of the hot angel babes come down from heaven to to fix it. And so this is by a new studio, because the old studio um, closed down. I assume it's most of the same staff, though. It is impeccably in that style, I guess. It's exactly what you expect. It It is extremely what you expect. The, the, the boobies are big and the shame is bigger. I guess the one thing that I have to give it credit to is that it's using like it it's it's deep cutting some of these like angel names like in the same way that Evangelion did. And I don't know if that like actually plays into anything they're doing, but like I guess they did the research in this fucking sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally on this list is Killing Bites, which uh <sighs> Wow. It's um, horny Pokemon. It, yeah, um, it's <laughs> reminded me a lot of Poke Girls reading about it. If you know what Poke Girls is, I'm really sorry. Um, so Killing Fights is about human animal hybrids who, I guess, like, fight. Like, they're basically, this is like their way of legalizing dog fighting in whatever universe this is. And I don't know. It, it just seems like it's, it's like an, it's supposed to be sort of like sexy and scary and the art doesn't look good. And from what I understand it, like opens with some really brutal shit and maybe like a, an attempted rape, like all everything about it just seems like real bad. trashy and bad. Yeah. I, wow. Mm. Killing fights, huh? It is definitely some teen's edgy fanfiction. Look, it's it's for an audience, and you know what? God bless them, but also curse them. Curse them for bringing this into existence. Curse you, teens. Stop being so horny. Read the Bible. But don't read the Seven D- Heavenly Virtues Bible. Don't, mm. <laughs> don't watch that show either. It's not going to teach you anything. But yeah, so that's the whole anime season. It it definitely feels like it's there aren't as many shows as say like this fall or the summer. But I think that's fine because like we've definitely found, you know, like, you know, 10 to 12 shows that we're really interested in or checking out. And like there's a I don't know. It it's it definitely doesn't feel any less stacked as a season than the last couple. And especially in comparison to like last winter season, which definitely for me ended up feeling like really empty. 
So it's nice that like there's still plenty to be gotten from this season, at least at first glance. Yeah, it seems like there's still no less amount of quality good shows to watch this time around. And it seems like we even got, like, fewer bad shows, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I missed... Okay, so, uh, I guess, late late game announcement, um, this this just coming in from the studio. Apparently... Uh, Hitori Noshida, The Outcast, is getting a sequel, which is another, um, one of those manhwa stories. It's like a, uh, uh, zombie, superpower, supernatural action sort of thing. That sounds like another Sword Art Online. Uh, no, they're in the regular world. It just happens that zombies also come to life, you know. Oh, no, no, I meant in the sense of, like, this is generic stuff that most- that's, like, made for mainstream consumption. Yeah, and it it definitely feels like, at least from the, the people I talk to, which isn't a ton of people, but it seems like Mongwa is sort of very much that, sort of, like, a, lo- a lot of trying to to grab onto to trends that they see in, like, Japanese media. Yeah. And then also, um, in things that don't get caught by, like, you know, TV stuff, we're, going, we're getting a new uh, Fate Grand Order special. Oh, huh. Uh, yeah, so like the, the first one, which was sort of like an introduction to the game, this one seems like a maybe an, a, a genuine side story. It's called Fate Grand Order Moonlight Lost Room, uh, centering on a lost room where you can find what is lost or those who lost. Um, this room, which belongs to no one, lies forgotten in a corner of uh, Chaldea, and it seems to focus on um, M.A.S.H.? Is that what her... Um, that, that, is her that is her English name. It is M.A.S.H. Yeah, yeah, mash. Okay, so it seems to focus on mash. That could it uh, could be neat. I mean, Fate Grand Order big. So, I mean, why not make more of it? <laughs> but yeah. So now that's all the anime. I'm excited. I'm I'm glad there's still plenty of shows. I'm looking forward to, and I hope they turn out good. Yeah, same here. I I continue to be watching too much. <laughs> yeah, there. Certainly for you, it's like there are like five holdovers from last season. Yeah. So it's like, man, you got a lot of stuff to stay with, and then even more coming up, you know? You got your Pop Team Epics, your Darling in the Franks. Yeah, I'm... You're gonna be busy. <laughs> yep. Maybe that's not such a bad thing. I think it's I, I think it's good that there's a lot of good stuff coming out, you know? Or at least stuff yeah. that seems interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. So, um... We got one question that I want to answer here, I guess, since it relates to to something we we brought up with uh, with Violet Evergarden. This comes from friend of the show QB, and it says, "I don't like that Netflix is making it difficult to talk about anime in some social spaces and widening the gap between casual fans and no good pirates. What do I do?" And I think this is, I mean, this is a thing that has definitely become more prominent as. As like Netflix picks up more anime. Yeah, I I can agree with that. But it seems like Netflix has been releasing things sooner than before. Yeah, it seems like at this point it's basically like on like a season delay, maybe a two season delay at worst. But it seems like it's you know it it does make it difficult to talk about though. Like you know the people who are going to to steal it are going to talk about it, right? Yeah. And the people who are waiting patiently 
suddenly have to dodge this minefield for who knows how long just to be able to watch. And I think the maybe a bigger issue is like Netflix provides these anime and a lot of like what I what I see as like very um like beginner friendly anime to an audience that otherwise wouldn't have access to something like Crunchyroll or you know, like Funimation or something like that, where it's like, you know, there are a lot of kids whose parents have Netflix accounts because Netflix is like for everyone. And that's how they get into anime is they watch like, I don't know, Naruto or Seven Deadly Sins or, you know, Death Note if they don't tell their parents what it is. That kind of thing. Like, you know, they they have these these kind of like big hits or things that they expect to be big hits. You know, like, Little Witch Academia feels like that sort of show where it's, like, perfectly fit for anime fans and also, like, casual fans and newcomers and, like, children just to pick up and watch, you know? Gateway anime. Yeah, for sure. And, like, it sucks that Netflix does not follow the same sort of, like, simulcasting thing as it does... Well, it sucks that Netflix America does not follow the same sort of simulcasting thing as yeah. its, its Japanese counterpart or others um, formats like this. But it's definitely because they're trying to do these dubs and they're trying to make it as accessible as possible to this completely different audience. And yeah, it's like, it is good in some ways, I think, for these series and for the, the industry on, on this side of the ocean. But it's definitely something that makes it harder when you're as online as us. I guess uh-huh. is like a is like a general description. It's like when you are online and you're talking to people who are into anime, inevitably you're going to talk to people who are watching it week to week, um, and and pirate it for that purpose because they they want to be able to keep up with the conversation. And then you have people who are even more uh, moral than I am and will refuse to um, pirate these shows out of principle and wait the six months. But then they have to dodge all these spoilers. They have to deal with people who are talking about it beforehand. And by the time they watch it, that conversation's not dead, but certainly has less fervor behind it. I can't believe Anime Guitaris was right. It's true. I mean, Anime Guitaris is right about a lot of things, and I'm sure we'll talk about it next show. But yeah, I like I can give an example of this because I'm watching a a show that Netflix has done. Uh, Fate Apocrypha is one of them, and uh, mm-hmm. as an example, like uh, last week's episode was probably one of the most amazing spectacles of animation I've ever seen, and Netflix isn't going to be getting that for like another couple of months, and it it hurts that you know like people who aren't doing what I'm doing and being a filthy pirate, uh, can't talk about this if for people who are just watching it on Netflix. Yeah, like, there's something impressive, I think, to Fate Apocrypha, specifically in that, like, they more or less had 12 episodes to go at the, like, 13-episode mark, right? Like, they got that that first half of the season out quick. Yeah, that's that's why I'm hopeful for, like, future Netflix releases, that they're going to be able to get it out about as quick. Yeah, depending on how that latency goes, I think that the discussion then changes because it's instead of like, well, I can't catch up week to week, you catch up 
all the way at the end of the, the, you know, the content and the discussion is still relatively fresh if they can, if they can keep up this, um, this speed. And maybe they can now that sort of like they're doing it more sort of like they have the resources to do it. They, they started to figure out a workflow, I guess. Yeah, it, it seems like maybe they're, they're figuring out the workflow and they're, they're making this work as well as they can. To, to, well, definitely to please people who binge watch but also to try and make it easier for people who would prefer to watch it week to week but can't, you know, or won't. So, like, yeah, it sucks that Netflix does what it does, right? Um, certainly in comparison to all of the other streaming services that provide similar things, but I think that they're just not going to change that because of the way that Netflix US treats um, its audience, right? Yeah is to try and provide the most accessible um, version of something and, and, you know, kind of uh, fuck the haters, more or less. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I don't know. I, like, it, it sucks, but I think that Netflix is at least, from recent, like, uh, you know, from recent shows, seems to be pushing in the direction of trying to make that, um, that break shorter and ultimately trying to make it so that this isn't such an issue when it comes to, um, you know, these these two types of fans being able to watch and talk about a series together. And really, only time is going to tell, right? Right. Uh, who, who knows what ne- what's going to happen with Netflix down the line? Like, you know, Amazon had its issues. A lot of people kind of decried the the price on that. But I think over this year they've they've started to at least on the US side again I can't speak for anyone else but on the US side they seem to have really like figured out the process in a way that's made it like a pretty respectable streaming site so you know I think that Netflix also has the opportunity to do something with it and I I don't know how much that's going to go but I think like we give it time to figure out what Netflix is up to and then we can decry them, you know, because like Little Witch Academia certainly took its time, but you know if they can they can all be fate apocrypha in terms of uh, follow up. Maybe we can still have conversations, uh, timely conversations. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see until uh, the uh, Violet Evergarden release. Yeah, because I feel like that's the that's like the killer app they have going into twenty eighteen, right? Yeah, that and Apocrypha Season 2, I guess. Yeah, but it's like, I feel like Violet Evergarden is sort of like, that's the thing that everyone's eyes are going to be on, because it is Kiwani, and this is the first time, I think, that, um, like, Crunchyroll hasn't gotten it. I feel like they had everything before that, at least eventually. So, it'll be interesting to see what Netflix does with that, given that it's such a high-profile studio, and it's such a, um... You know, it's it's a show that a lot of people are looking forward to. Yeah. And so, I think that'll make uh, the end of the show. We I did get another question, but it's it's probably more applicable once we do like the review stuff in a couple weeks. So I'll save it until then. Um, I, I'm excited for next season. I'm excited for the shows that are continuing, and I'm glad that you know we're getting such a a breadth of stuff like you know some seasons it feels like i'm i'm only watching a certain type of show 
but this one is like, well, specifically because Pop Team Epic exists, but like, Darling in the Franks is such a different thing, you know, a return to Cardcaptor Soccer is going to be new, you know, Violet Evergarden feels like it's trying for something distinct. There, there are a lot of shows that feel um, fresh coming in from this season, and I'm excited to see how those turn out. Yeah, they're, I'm, I'm looking forward to all the, the stuff that's coming out that I'm interested in, obviously. But yeah, there's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there, I'm just excited for this season because it's got, I think it's got, the good shows have a lot of potential to be pretty dang good. Yeah, and even the ones that were like, eh, maybe, maybe not on, there's like a, there's a lot of potential there too. Like, if, if we never watch Junji Ito Collection, if nothing else, that's like an interesting experiment, you know? That's something worthwhile to look at. So, yeah. But I think that's going to close out our preview show. So where can people find you online, Zane? Uh, they can find me at my Twitter, at ZaneZero, X-A-I-N-Z-E-R-O. I tweet a lot about things I like, which is anime, also Fate Grand Order. And uh, anime video games like yes, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yes, especially anime video games. Uh, I am available at Chirpsway on Twitter, C-H-O-R-P-S-A-W-A-Y. You can find me on YouTube at Chirpsway, where you can uh, watch video versions that are uh, mostly just a still image for these podcasts. But I also do other kinds of videos there that you can watch. Um, this podcast is available at Coco underscore Disaster on Twitter. It's available at CocoDisaster.com, which... Uh, will give you not only the latest episode for download and access, but it'll allow you to find all of our older shows. You'll be able to um, check out all of the different places where you can find us, like iTunes, Stitchers, Google Play Music. You can find the RSS hard there. Um, there's also a link to our side blog, Vanilla Blessing, or our, our blog division, as it were, where a friend of the show, QB, and I uh, write about stuff that maybe doesn't fit the podcast format. And there you can also find contact. You can find uh, an email that you can send questions and uh, opinions to us that you want read on the air. And that's at chirpsawaysa at gmail.com. C-H-O-R-P-S-A-W-A-Y-S-A. And if anyone asks, the S-A stands for Supremely Anime. And next up, we've got the Fall Review. As these shows close in, I'm starting to... I'm starting to think that my anime of the year predictions aren't as solid as I thought they were. Uh, fall has really been uh, a home run in terms of shows. And so I'm really excited to talk about these, uh, the, the shows that I've been watching. Yeah, same here. I will continue to hoot and holler about March Comes In Like a Lion, among other things. Yeah, and look, even... There are surprise hits in here as well. I'm not going to say that they're anime guitaries, but certainly someone's going to be hooting and hollering about anime guitaries on this podcast <laughs> later. I am. I will not rep that show, but I will definitely talk about how stupid it is. And you can hear me, like every other person on the internet, talk about Land of the Lustrous. But until then, I've been Shorpsaway. And I've been Zane Zero. And this has been Coco Disaster. Sweet dreams. <laughs>